Welcome to the 67th episode of Dialogika, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tankilisan. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week, in our very last episode before the presidential elections, we're going to cover the latest debates, uh, the fourth round of debates between Jokowi and Prabowo, and talk about uh, what they discussed, but also preparing y'all and us to vote. Yeah, we're just going to have also a quick recap on uh, our feelings about the series of debate overall and these candidates overall. And we just want to take a step back and forward at the same time to think about who will become a president for the next five years. I mean, I definitely did not expect us uh, when we started this podcast in 2016 that we will still be talking about the 2019 presidential elections. But we have some feelings and we will share them with you now. Mm-hmm. So, here's to it. So this is the last debate just between Jokowi and Bravo, but there was going to be one more debate for all your indecisive people out there, myself included, um, uh, that will be between Jokowi, Bravo, and their um, respective vice presidential candidates. Mm-hmm. That last debate between uh, the two tickets will be on the Saturday, right before Election Day, so on the 13th. I don't know why they have a debate so close to Election Day. I feel like <laughs> at some point you should just... Call it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Especially since this, the, you know, the, the fifth debate will be on the topic of like the economy and, and finance and investment. It's like, that's such a niche topic to, to launch on the, on the public right it's before. It's not a niche topic. Economy affects everybody. Oh, I, I guess, yeah. I feel like if they were going to, you're right, it's not a niche topic, but they could have talked about it earlier. <laughs> it's like probably one of the most important topics that affects everyone's daily life. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, on this fourth round of, of debates, uh, as Stephanie said, it's the last one between just Jokowi and Prabowo. And suffice to say, you know, these two have gone up against each other so many times now, even from the 2014 cycle. And this one didn't disappoint, did it? I, th- I think there was a moment in the debate where, like, Prabowo was just like, didn't know how to respond to Jokowi in a non-emotional way. And he's just like, <laughs> I mean... I don't know how to respond to my friend here. <laughs> Papa pa Jokowi yang saya hormati. I, I respect you so much. No, 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 it's like he said the word sahabat, which is like a friend in a non-sarcastic way. Like he, I feel like he was genuinely trying to convey that he's like buddies with Jokowi by now. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, a, I think, an, such an Indonesian way. Like you don't imagine Trump and Hitler being like, you know, we're friends. No, of course of not. This. No. Even though you know, like, Prabowo and Jokowi do not like each other and are not really friends. Like, you don't see them being in a the same WhatsApp group, like, sending memes to each other. Um, I don't know. Do you think it's a very, like, Jawa thing also, Javanese? It like, is. It's about, like, you know, being polite in front of your... Enemy? Uh, in front of your enemy. Like, you're never going to be outright, like, hostile. That you do in the back. <laughs> yeah. I think this was, for me, the, the debate where Prabowo seemed less emotional. Really? <laughs> like, if this is less emotional. <laughs> I think he just didn't get like 
angrier. Like the first debate, I think he was mm. very easily riled up. Yeah. But this, he seemed like more. He had emotions, but I think he kept them in check. Well, it's his brand, right? So what can you say? <laughs> his brand is emotion. Um, well, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, just a bit of context for our listeners. This fourth round of debate, which happened just this past Saturday at the end of March, is between Jokowi and Prabowo, and the topics are on ideology or Pancasila in this sense, uh, foreign affairs, foreign relations, uh, defense, and governance, or you know how how the government works. And I think you know there's a lot of things and issues that could be covered in these four topics, right? And mm-hmm. it was interesting to to hear how. Jokowi and Prabowo came about with their arguments because I think they come from two very different, I want to say, belief systems about Indonesia's role in terms of like as a sovereign nation, Mm -hmm. as a nation that has a huge role regionally, but also globally as a as the largest Muslim nation in the world. And it was interesting to to hear like their opposing views on these difficult and obviously sensitive and controversial issues. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's like a little bit of background. Obviously, um, I think it was interesting that the debate started with the section on Pancasila or the Indonesian ideology. Yeah. And I think that's a way to very much like set it up for both candidates to like, nobody's going to say no to Pancasila. This is sort of like reaffir- reaffirming your, your patriotism. But what kind of patriotism, right? Yeah. One of the debate questions about Pancasila or about the Indonesian sort of like core ideology is how how do we educate the youth the public about these core beliefs of our sovereign nation without making it feel like indoctrination and you know Prabowo answered with saying like oh this kind of education should be incorporated from the beginning and through the curriculums all the way through like university education while for Mm -hmm. Jokowi it's a much more sort of like he he's less inclined uh, of being prescriptive about like oh you need to remember these five things which uh, Stephanie you and I can probably remember right? like we grew up having to memorize the five tenets of the of the Pancasila. I mean I forgot all of them. The fourth one, the fourth one is the hardest. <laughs> Lord, uh, but you know I think in a, I think Jokowi was much more sort of like these are core tenets. Yes, we need to remember them. We need to memorize them. We need to learn them. But at the core of it, it's about tolerance. It's about how do you mm-hmm. love each other as a nation and acknowledge everyone's diversity, as opposed to Prabowo's approach, which I think is a much more old school approach to Pancasila, where like this is our ideology. This needs to be the thing that governs our diversity, as opposed to for Jokowi, it's like our diversity is what we should celebrate instead of try to you know package or or control using ideology. And I think that sets a tone throughout the whole yeah. debate. I mean, from there on, I feel like they showed a really different way to like go about how this can be interpreted, right? Like yes. uh Bravo's version vision of Indonesia is one where we need to spend more on, on our military and make sure that we own all of our ports and all of this different like more nationalistic, um not necessarily fascist, but like more right wing ideology. Capital right? and nationalistic, right? Like this is our yeah. nation. We are, you know, yeah. we are a sovereign we nation. We are one. We are a sovereign nation. We need to uh, be... We need to be respected, right? Strong. That's one of the things you talked about. Yeah. Indonesia is not respected. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of true. Like, I feel like 
Indonesia is always the most the largest unknown country in the world. Oh yeah. Um it's like whenever you travel or are abroad, people are like, oh, Indonesia. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it's like the fourth largest country by population. Everyone's like, what? I've never heard of it. It's, it's like the like, largest Muslim country in the world. It's like, what? I thought it was just Bali. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, and uh, I, I do think like Indonesia is not respected as a country and because I think for the most part, we haven't really caused any trouble on the international stage. Mm-hmm. Um, since except our uh, escapades in the 60s, we haven't tried yeah. to invade anyone, nor has anyone tried to invade us. So it's like I can see both sides, right? On the one hand, the nationalistic side of me is like, yeah, we should build our military and be respected. And then the other side, I'm like, what for? We're not really going to fight any wars like i'd rather spend that money on infrastructure and education um because these kind of things our financial resources are limited right like the majority Mm -hmm. of indonesians are not taxed because they don't earn enough to be taxed like um, and we could spend a whole episode on the indonesian tax system probably a few episodes and then there's that like on the nationalist side as well it's like in a way, like, Jokowi's response was like, you know, we have di- diplomacy and all of this different stuff, but I kind of somewhat believe in the um, realist model of international relations, which is it doesn't really matter how good your diplomacy is sometimes. It's like, what do you have to back it up by, like, economic resources or military might and so forth? So I also see that point of view. Like, I think, um, but ultimately it's like, what what do you want to what do you think will benefit us the most long term, right? Interesting, because I I think I take... This is one of the few instances, listeners, where Stephanie and I might diverge in our opinion. <gasps> <laughs> so, so rather shit. I, uh, you know, I I did not prescribe to the more realist view of the situation. I think, I think diplomacy has a place. I think soft power has a place. And I think, you know, there was a significant shift, in my opinion, of what Indonesia's role in regionally and globally is after the 60s. Uh-huh. I think, you know, during the time of Sukarno and during the time of Suharto, there was such a charismatic leader that was basically, you know, whatever the leader wanted to do in the regional and global space, the nation will follow. And now, because we don't necessarily have a person like that anymore, I think Indonesia's role in the space is much more as a mediator and much more as a uh, the the middleman between countries, and I think it has an important role in that, given its status as the largest country in ASEAN, given the status as the largest Muslim nation in the world. I think there's so much potential in that aspect mm. that I, perhaps naively, maybe in terms of international relations, I would so much rather invest on how can we be good diplomats rather than you know beef up our military arsenal as as Prabowo would say you know like how many tanks do we have that are ours and not they are not like foreign made or whatever so i don't know i, I mean, mean we're such a long way away from actually being able to build our world-class uh tanks um <laughs> but that's actually one of the things that was the that jokowi wanted to highlight to Prabowo, right like you might want to be able to make all these things that beef up your military arsenal but the reality is we have a limited budget we need to work with other countries and find these opportunities from a almost like a purely financial business perspective where you just you got to make things work with what you got mm-hmm. but again you know for our listeners right we're 
we're seeing somebody, you know, Jokowi, who ha- comes from a business background, talking about this, and then Prabowo, who comes from a military background, talking about this. Obviously, they're coming from very different approaches to solving the issue of Indonesia's defense and, you know, its role in the global space and the regional space. So I, I get what you're coming from. Obviously, we want to be a functioning nation with, like, a strong uh, military I don't think defense, we... But... I, don't, I don't know. I feel like there's a reasonable... For example, I think it's really wise for us to invest in maritime security. Like, yeah. I don't like I wouldn't spend our money on tanks, at, which we're not going to have a defensive war where we're going to need tanks. Not an island Nor nation. are we going to have like we don't even have a like warship to like, you know, I don't think we're going to try invade any country anymore either. So like I there's a way where I feel like we have so many problems with um our land mass in terms of like illegal fishing and yeah. um immigrants dying trying to go to australia and somehow ending up in indonesia uh, like we we have a lot of maritime issues mm-hmm. and um that's certainly something i think it would be wise for us to spend our resources on not just for like security in a like security for indonesia's secure safety or whatever but like i mean there are potential maritime conflicts that's where things for us are more plausibly like you know the whole um the chain of islands oh the um, south china sea that's seriously a concern that's somewhere we we cannot exert any kind of influence because there's no way we can go against the chinese uh, navy right and Mm -hmm. i mean the philippines have has u.s backing and if we don't have any military might then we might lose that area and that's fine but that's certainly something to think about. Like, I'm not thinking that we need to defend that necessarily, uh, our claim, but um, yeah, it is true that we don't have the means to enforce our foreign policy through diplomacy alone uh, when we don't think about how we're going to back that up. Uh, it's sort of like, it's like all bark and no bite. <laughs> well, I mean, that this is part of a difficult question, right? Like, how do we what approach do we want to take? Because I think there's a difference, right, between beefing up our defense systems, which I think is what Prabowo is more concerned about, like, you know, making sure that all our airports and our ports are owned by Indonesia, that our our defenses have the strongest weapons or whatever. And then, as you said, something you're describing, which is which is more on, can we have our own strength and power to enforce maybe diplomacy efforts? Yeah, we have none. True, we, we we don't have much there either. So it's a delicate balance. Uh, but I, I don't think the way that Prabhu was describing about like, let's make our budget bigger, let's pour more money into it. I don't think that's the only solution. No, definitely isn't. And I don't, I think he, as someone who served in the army and the special forces, he definitely has a certain conception of what is a strong military, which mm-hmm. may be different than the way I'm describing it, right? Because I'm thinking about it in today's Indonesia, in terms of what I think is a defensible argument for more military spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably different than what he's thinking in terms of military spending. That's true. And I think this is this was a common trend when I was researching this topic and sort of like reading on what a lot of experts and people responded. It's like Prabowo's view on what Indonesia as a nation should have it seems very outdated and old school. Old school, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for and sure. Jokowi can talk about like, oh, actually, you know, when we talk about when we talk about investing in our military and our defenses, like let's talk about cyber technology instead of just like 
land tanks when we're when we're a island nation. <laughs> where are we gonna send those tanks? It makes no sense. Uh, I think that's where you can really see the difference between Jokowi and Prabowo in this instance. Like not only this, but how they see the world and how they see Indonesia as a country uh, and technology in particular going forward. Like I felt like Jokowi is a very current president in the sense of yeah. like okay. Not just in terms of military, but in terms of finance, like the reason why we have foreign partners and ports and airports and all of this different, because they're really, really expensive things to build. And mm-hmm. our country does not have the means to build them. And I think Jokowi's view, and I think I agree with him, is that rather than not having any of these, let's have foreign partners to help us finance this. And then we'll still manage and control some of it. But we'll have it built because the people need those kind of infrastructure now. Like, and you know, I think that's a really valid point uh, on his part. All across the debate, you could sense that Bravo was coming from a place of like, I fear the outsider. I fear anybody coming in and participating. It's not that I fear it. I think he's trying to rouse that sense of fear and that he's the one that can, mm-hmm. you know, be the protector. And I think he's trying to show that, look, Jokowi is, seems very scrappy and doesn't have doesn't have the track record or ability to become that tough negotiator that Indonesia needs to be respected in the world again. That's, that's what his spiel is. The tough guy and spiel. Jokowi is like... We just need to play the smart and, you know, figure out how to practically make things happen. Um, and I think Jokowi has him on that. I think I think Jokowi clearly defeats Prabowo in this sense that, like, this is, I think, one of Jokowi's strongest performances that I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the most convincing one, in my opinion, uh, at least even for, in terms of me supporting him. I think he shows even more depth than I think how Jokowi used to debate in you know five years ago when he used to, when he wasn't president. I felt like Jokowi has grown a lot, and he's really shown what you know four years of being president can do for a man in terms of growth. Yeah, and definitely, it almost feels like at a certain point. Obviously, everybody has their talking points, and both candidates have their teams to prepare them. But Jokowi almost felt like he owned all of that messaging mm-hmm. and all of that language and it doesn't seem like he's pulling it out of thin air no he seems very yeah. grounded it just comes naturally mm-hmm. and obviously you know if anybody has watched the debates from five years ago you could see how green he was back then yeah and now it he can like really stand on his own two feet and even when Prabowo ask him like uh hard emotional questions he can respond with like but i have a plan and that i feel like is the strongest response to a lot of Prabowo's more nationalistic jingoistic rhetoric like i have a plan moving forwards and i have a good track record or at least i have a better track record than you have right now some of your other thoughts like overall about this 
election. Like, I think in a way for me, it has been a lot less turbulent than I thought it'd be. It's a lot more mature than I thought Chill. it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And in a really good way. Like, I thought it would be a lot more like dirty campaigning and like a lot more scandals and yeah. like rallies and all of those stuff. And it's been fairly reasonable and muted. Relatively. <laughs> at least for me. It's definitely less uh, hot than the Jakarta gubernatorial campaign, for sure. I uh, was going to say, I, I felt like that was much more contentious and in many ways dangerous. Yeah. Um, this felt much more civil. And maybe that's just, you know, the the good old like Javanese uh, <laughs> social, social norms uh, kicking into gear here. We shall see. I think, you know, um, optimistically, I'm hoping that and I may be, I may be naive here. I'm hoping that part of the reason why it's so civil or it's so mature from both camps is that they, they recognize the clearly growing sense of extremism in certain parts of Indonesia, uh, and radical intolerance in certain parts of Indonesia. And they don't want to feed into that. And they don't want that to play a huge role as it probably did in the Jakarta gubernatorial race, right? Like they don't want that to feed as huge of a role in the presidential elections because they know what's at stake. It's really, it's a slippery slope once you introduce those kind of um, influences into the race. So that's my optimistic view on it. Who knows? They might still be conversing. They probably are still conversing with those peoples behind the scenes. But it seems like at least in the public space, in the discussions uh, we have out there, it's much more civil, much more mature. And I'm hoping, you know, I was talking That'll to... That'll carry over. Yeah. And I was talking to Afu about this, right? Like for people like us, our generation, right? The 2014 cycle was sort of like the first presidential cycle in which we were like, we can't vote. That's what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also that we're like more cognizant about. This feels like we're now more mature in our political thinking. We now can recognize more about the kind of issues that the nation is encountering. And so we can mm-hmm. respond better. And I'm hoping that the youth in Indonesia and the youth and the Indonesian youth abroad can like be galvanized to do something because otherwise we're just going to keep repeating the same same mistakes the same administrations of years gone by and i don't know i'm optimistic i'm optimistic that this election as well as the um, legislative election that's going to be coinciding with it will push the country forwards rather than backwards Uh, i honestly can't make a prediction who will win like the consensus is i think jokowi might eke out this victory, but there is a, like, clear. it's going to be a closer election than it was before in 2014. Mm-hmm. And, like, the problematic thing is that there's not enough polling that is large enough in scale and independent and reliable enough to make, to be able to guess. So I think it's just important for you guys to vote and voice your opinion. Yeah. And even, like, I think me and Sweden are both going to vote internationally since we're both not in indonesia right now mm-hmm. we have both successfully registered yes that's a win look at, us, look at us adulting if you haven't registered oh you're you screwed up i think you're too late <laughs> uh, i think you're too late but yeah contact your nearest consulate or embassy and they have a nice whatsapp line mm-hmm. where you can ask questions because the indonesian embassy and consulates are on their game and i applaud them for like having an open whatsapp line and everything is online for you to register. It was really easy to register, actually. 
Um, yeah, same here. And like for for New Yorkers, they you know the election in the consulate will be on April thirteenth from eight a.m. to five p.m. six p.m. I think. Um, check you check your up, check your local. Bring your passport. I will be there at some point. Um, Say hi to Stephanie if you're voting in New York. Hi. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we've talked about. Uh, the presidential elections in Indonesia for a long time now, for a couple of months. We have obviously the four episodes on the debate so far. We have additional episodes on the candidates themselves. So if you want to take a look and listen back to those, you certainly can. And please make sure that you're informed. Please make sure that you go out and vote. And, you know, this is an important, very important election. Uh, I wish I was in Indonesia to do it in person, but it is our civic duty regardless of where you are in the world, to vote, to exercise your right to have a voice. Yeah. I remember when we first talked about the candidates, you know, Jokowi Maruf, Prabowo Sandi. Yeah. We were concerned about... Maruf. Uh, the pos- Well, yes, but we were also concerned yeah. about the possibilities of, you know, gold put or like, you know, people not voting or people doing those like mistaken votes so that your ballot doesn't count. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, after... I will say this, after hearing this debate and after like going through this whole course of like campaigning and conversations around this i don't think that's the way forward i think there's real hope for something here i think change can happen i think uh to be so nihilistic to go and do a blank vote is 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 the wrong step forward in my opinion but that's my opinion but i I just want to say it out loud because i want to hold myself accountable and in case anybody wants to know my opinion (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we're probably some of the easiest people to know who our opinions are, what our opinions are. (laughs) We've been doing this for, what, almost three years now, so if you don't know our opinions, well... That's not our fault. You must be new here. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, go out and vote. If you're in Indonesia, it's April 17th. If you're abroad, it's likely the weekend before. Yeah, I just feel like if you don't vote, you have no right to complain about the outcome. (laughs) Oh, yes, that is true. Very true. <laughs> um, you know, as one of my favorite problematic fave once said, decisions are made by those who show up. That's from Jeff Bartlett from The West Wing. And I used to love the show so much. And then I started trying to rewatch it. And then there's like so many problematic things that I didn't realize was problematic today. <laughs> the, 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 it doesn't age well, that series. But it's, there, there are, there are, some, there are some gems in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, but you know, everyone, you do your thing. We try to be as unbiased as possible to uh to the, both of these candidates and try to really just like put everything aside and talk based on the substance of what they're talking about. And there's always way more reading out there if you want to like read more, and we'll put more links and expert analyses. Expert analysis analysis. <laughs> The different opinions of expert and a description link in our website. I'm gonna put that into those. <laughs> Shut up! I have a fever. I'm I'm like, also listener note. I am currently sick and have fever, and my head feels very heavy, and uh, still doing this podcast for you guys. So uh, at least you can speak now. <laughs> this is true. Okay. Vote, please. Otherwise, don't complain about it because you did not participate in the democratic process. So, vote. 
But anyway, we also got some of your feedback from our mental health episode, and we got some really touching ones, and um, we just want to let you guys know that we hear you, and we're here for people, and thank you for enjoying that episode and saying that it was useful. Sometimes we don't know if our opinions are useful to anyone at all, so that was... um, we're glad that happened and we made that happen. And we always appreciate people reaching out. So if you have any stories, questions, or just like responses, you know, feel free to reach out to us. You know, you can email us, you can DM us on Facebook. Uh, we'll try to get back to you as soon as we can. But we definitely love hearing from you and we appreciate we appreciate you and your stories. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey. Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and on Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at Dialogica Pod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S T E P H T A N G K. Thank you again, and see you guys next time. Bye.